Welcome to episode 237 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent and Jason here, as always. And this week, we've hit another milestone, I think. Oh, well, I know we have. I mean, a milestone for ourselves. 237 doesn't mean much. No, being in November doesn't mean much. But a member of Typo Negative, the guitarist, Kenny Hickey, being on this podcast is pretty huge for both of us. It is. It is. Uh... We've we've loved this band since uh, I don't know fucking the ninth grade or some shit, right? Like and not lo- like fucking seriously loved. Like they're one of the tops. Yeah, for both of us, I know absolutely. And we're gonna like talk a little bit about that before we get in that interview. Play some music, but before we do, we need to let you know we're sponsored every week by Med Farm and Deb Concerts. Med Farm is a dispensary located in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma at 24683 East Highway 51. That's just about a quarter mile past Anita Road, east of there, off 51. Can't miss them. Get in there and check them out. They've got a huge selection. They've got a doctor on site every Friday and Saturday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Doctors at other times as well. Specials all the time. And one of the specials that is ongoing 100% 100% of the time is if you tell them that you heard about them on Thunder Underground or mention our name, they'll give you 10% off your order. So a big thank you to them for that. You can follow them on Facebook, at MedFarm, that's P-H-A-R-M. Instagram is at MedFarmOK, and their website is MedFarmOK.com. And their slogan is Cannabis with a Cause, because 30% of their profits are going to help build no-kill animal shelters in Oklahoma. And I just saw... Here just two or three days ago, a post on their Facebook where they said they have the land purchased and the building purchased. So now all they they're waiting for more funds from that thirty percent to so they can build you know furnish this building you know and make it into a no kill animal shelter. So they're That's getting, awesome. They're getting close. Good. That's yeah. great. They've been talking about it for a while. So glad it's happened. Yeah, it's a great cause. I mean, if you. Have you been to the? Have you been to the 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 fucking the city of Tulsa animal shelter? Yeah, a long it's time one ago. Of the most depressing yeah. places you've ever seen in your life. That's right. I mean, not only are all the animals depressed, the place is shitty. It smells terrible. It looks terrible. Yeah. Uh, you know they got they got fucking they got fucking whack ass kids in community service for their DUIs. You know, when they're working, they don't give a fuck. Right. You know, these dog poor dogs are smeared in shit and stuff. It sucks. And I know that this place won't be like that. That's right. So a huge shout out to them for that. So, and as soon as more info's on that, we'll let you know, of course. So check out Med Farm and Broken Arrow. Also, DEB Concerts is a promoter right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They keep bringing in shows to downtown Tulsa. Everything from amazing stuff like Saxon, Lynch Mob, Warrant, Striper. Tom Kiefer, Sebastian Bach, a long-ass list, L.A. Guns, Junkyard, bands, you know, like Junkyard that we thought, are we ever going to get to see this band live? And we finally did, thanks to DB Concerts. That's right. Something else they're doing is here just in a few weeks on November 23rd, Vixen is coming to the Ideal Ballroom with the Iron Maidens. Down for Five, right here out of Tulsa, is opening that show. They are a great band. As is both the other ones, so you need to get down there and check that out. The Iron Maidens are an all-female tribute to Iron Maiden. And Vixen, of course, 
if you know anything about 80s rock, you know Vixen. Oh, yeah. You'll be living on the edge of a broken heart. That's right. And if you're not there, you'll be crying. <laughs> right? Right. So, you don't cry. <laughs> what you need to do is hit up the guys in Down for Five, and they've got tickets. Get them from them. That's the best place to do it. Yeah. It helps them out, and you save a few bucks. Exactly. Because you don't have service fees. Yeah, just look them up on social media, get in touch with them, and they'll get you some tickets. That's right. Eddie Trunk will be hosting this show, as he does all the DEB concert shows at Ideal Ballroom. Of course. So get down there, check that out. And another thing, if you're listening to this and you have a band, DEB Concerts sponsors a stage out at Rocklahoma, the DEB Processing Stage, which books last year they had... Bisto Blanco, Ace Freely, Lita Ford, Slaughter, but they also book a ton of bands local to our area as well as regional artists. If you're anywhere in America and you've got a band, look them up on Facebook and send your EP, EP I can't even speak, EPKN. <laughs> <laughs> send your EPKN to DB Concerts. Definitely worth it. Yeah. Yeah, Jason knows he played there last year. I sure did. They treat you right, and it's a great opportunity. Yeah. Look that up, and if you need more info and you can't find it for some reason, just hit us up, thethunderunderground at gmail.com, or of course on Facebook. All right, before we get in some other stuff, let's play some music. We're going to play a band right now called Hysteria, and this song is called Graveyard. <laughs>
start a brand new track from Hysteria off their brand new album called Night Closing In. This album just came out last week, Halloween week. This band features two members from the band Hellfire and two members from the band Haunt. You know you're going to get something amazing when those two bands come together. Yeah. And if you haven't looked up either of those bands, fucking do it right now. We'll wait till the podcast is over, then go do it. Right. I mean, if you like classic metal, if you love thrash, new wave of British heavy metal, this stuff is right up your alley. But it's new and fresh, too. Yeah. And Hysteria, as you just heard with Graveyard, I mean, this is yeah, I mean, steeped in the new wave of British heavy metal. I mean, it's, it's fucking perfection. Yeah. Yeah, these guys are great. This album's great. So look it up. Give them a follow on Facebook. And Facebook, I believe it's at Hysteria Heavy Metal, in case you pull it up and it sends you to like a Def Leppard fan page or something at first. <laughs> you know what to actually type in to find it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and, you know, speaking of bands that in this ilk, have you, did you see where our good buddies in Night Demon have recorded at Sweet Silent Studios with Fleming Rasmussen? I saw that when you sent that last night. That's the first time I heard about well, it. Well, I saw even more <laughs> pictures. They, they posted more pictures today. Okay. I don't know what they're doing, but that's fucking cool. They have, they've, they're just saying they're recording with it. Yeah, them. they're not saying like what it's for or what it is. If or it's like one song or, or if it's what, an yeah. EP or an album or whatever. But they're doing something. And for those of you that don't know, Fleming Rasmussen produced Ride the Lightning, Master of Puppets, and, and Justice for All from Metallica at that studio. So, that's huge. Yeah. The greatest heavy metal album of all time. Master Puppets, in my opinion. There you go. And I mean, other people would argue Ride the Lightning, and some people would just argue three of the greatest metal albums ever from one band. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, yeah, Night Demon, that's just another one. If you're not even familiar with that, look him up. If you like so what you just heard from Graveyard. Yeah. From that's Gra- what I'm that saying. That song, Graveyard, like, from Hysteria. Know, speaking of bands like this, here you go. Yeah. Hellfire also is on tour. That's right. Yeah, yeah. With Death Angel. And they're coming, at least to our area. They're playing December 14th at the Shrine in Tulsa and December 13th in Enid. Okay. At that uh, 1927 Event Center. Mm -hmm. I believe it actually moved from where it was, I think, recently. So anyway, Enid, Friday night, Tulsa, December 14th, which is a Saturday night. You can see... Death Angel with Hellfire, who, of course, is half that band you just heard, Hysteria. We've also got some great Oklahoma representation on that from Archon and Severmind. So, yeah, that's definitely one to look forward to. We're only a little over, what, five weeks out from that? Yeah, it's going to be a great show. Well, is there anything relevant to news that we should talk about before we jump into this Kenny Hickey stuff? Um, It seems like there was, but I don't know. There always is. We're bad about not writing stuff down. Yeah, we're, we just kind of turn on, we just hit hit record and go. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, nothing. I mean, there's a million places we could go right now, but I don't know if you want to. <laughs> I mean, because you know, I don't know how long this episode will be. You, know, you could talk about the Black Crow shit that you're seeing popping up. You could see, you could talk about how um, Kiss approached all the living members that have ever been in Kiss about that last concert. Um, but you know, why would we want to talk about that? I mean, there's, you know, or the Motley Crue rumors and I don't know. It's just, it's vast. We could go on and on. Yeah. And I, I don't, don't really I, know if we want to. Yeah. 
I don't want to talk about the Black Crows thing until I know yeah. who, who who else is in this. I get that. I get and, that. You know, it's not going to be Steve Gorman, so I already, you know, mm-hmm. most diehard fans are going to be butthurt about that. But, yeah. you know, there's a few ways they could go to, I think, salvage that with some people. But anyway... Yeah. Yeah. Once that happens, then we can discuss that, I think. But yeah, there, I'm curious. It's, it's just in the cryptic stage. There's just billboards all over the country that just have that old school logo with the two crows. Right. And it says nothing. It just has that. I've seen it. Have you seen it yet? I haven't. I've seen it. We know there's at least two in the Tulsa area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, we all know it's coming. It's just going to be the brothers with a bunch of hired guns. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> Yeah, random side note, listen to Steve Gorman on the Dean Del Rey podcast. Oh, man. It's fantastic. It's podcast gold is what that is. Yeah. I'm curious to know, are you more excited about My Chemical Romance or Rage Against the Machine? Well, I could give you a comedic answer, or I could just be a smart ass and be like, fuck you, (laughs) whatever. But, I mean, let's be honest, I'm way more excited about Rage Against the Machine, but... The ex- that excitement that excitement in itself isn't very much. So right. I was never a big rage guy. I mean, I I don't know. I like them. I think what they did was cool and important in a way. Right. Um. And you know, I, I really enjoyed their last couple of records, the cover record and their last record. But on a whole, you know, if there's rapping, I'm I check out pretty quick. So it, it was just not a big deal to me. I never seen them. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I always had a love hate with them. You know, it was kind of like, I used to always say I hate them, but there's several songs I like. And, you know, it's like, I, it's, it was kind of like the same thing with Tool. You know, I, I really like the music. I just never liked the vocalist. And I get that. And then when Rage Against the Machine got Chris Cornell and started Audio Slave, I'm like, see, this is fucking great music with a great singer. And I know it's nothing like Rage at all, but still, that's, I loved it. Yes, that, that's that, that's exactly that's a great example what you bring up, and yeah, uh, you know, like I said, I, I I never really cared, and then I heard their cover album, and I just really thought that was cool. And uh, Battle for Los Angeles, I don't know why that grabbed me, but I think it was maybe the Sonics, you know, the sound of it or something. I don't know, but yeah, I listened the shit out of that, so I don't know. But you know what, I am excited for Friday. My new Agnostic Front cassette shows up. Is that when the album comes out? Yes. Okay. And I pre-ordered it like three months ago. Yeah. On Red Cassette, like one of 100. There's, There's only, only 100 of them? They only did like 100 or 200 of them, and I wow. pre-ordered that son of a bitch. And it's going to show up Friday, and I'm going to be happy. So that's what I'm happy about. That's pretty awesome. I've heard what... What have they released? Two songs? Two three songs. songs? Yeah. Two songs so far, and they're and pretty th- fucking good. I mean, they're one of those bands where you know what you're going to get, mm-hmm. and it's good. Oh, yeah. If you like them, you like them. If you don't, you don't. So Exactly. But yeah, that's something cool to look forward to. Speaking of pre-orders, I got the Pride and Glory package they nice. put out. Nice. I kept me to With do the that. vinyl. The double vinyl and the, you know, t-shirt. Yeah. It has like a download card with extra stuff. All the extra stuff is stuff that's been out forever yeah like the hammer and the nail that you had to like go on lime wire and get it and shit yeah (laughs) right (laughs) and then the other covers like come together in my time of dying yeah yeah it's like i pre-ordered it and then that thing came out 
the week before last, I think, and I just got it like four days ago. Or really? Something. Well, hey, at least you got it, <laughs> right? It's not like it. it, not something I couldn't listen to for the last twenty five years anyway. Yeah. But you know, did you get the picture? Did the picture vinyl or? Yeah. Sweet. Yep. Right on. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And it's and like was it yesterday? I listened to the first six Black Sabbath records in a row at work. Did you really? Yeah, because the Agnostic Front reminded me. Remember that day a few weeks ago where I was like, I listened to all their records in one shift at work today. Right. So, there you go. And to, was it, the what's the Henry Rollins quote? Oh, yeah, it is. You can only trust yourself in the first six Black Sabbath records. There you go. And, and so I did yesterday it. you did, I did that. It. Yep. <laughs> right. Well, speaking of Black Sabbath, they once had their... Namesake song, the song Black Sabbath, covered by a band called Typo Negative. That's How do you right. like that segue? I just oh, I that. love it. And we have <laughs> Kenny Hickey from Typo Negative right. on the podcast today talking about his new band, Silver Tomb. That's right. Which released a record recently, and it's really fucking great. Um, fans of Typo will love it. Uh, even if you didn't like Typo and you like more just, you know, your conventional metal or hard rock, you're going to love it. This is great stuff. Yeah. Edge of Existence just came out last Friday when we did the interview. It was actually just a couple of days before, so we hadn't heard everything. We'd heard like three or four songs, but yeah. this is, a, I mean, yeah, it's a cool album. You know, there's great stuff on here that we hadn't heard, like Not Your Savior and So True. And this album, I dig it because it's got a lot of that typo element, you know, that kind of gothy metal element on some of those songs, mm -hmm. but it doesn't really technically sound like typo. Even exactly. Because I was trying to listen to it and picture, could you hear Peter still singing on this? And you, I can't. can't. Yeah. And I, I'm like, I could hear, this sounds more like Paradise Lost or one of those kind of bands mm -hmm. and it did really typo. And I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. And it could have been the keyboard style. It was totally different I than Josh that. Silver's keyboard style. And. It Go ahead. Oh, no. I was just going to say the other thing was Kenny Hickey's vocals on this, like, really. That's where I was going, yeah. They just really, I don't know if they're, like, they're abrasive, and they kind of, I'll use the term you use a lot sometimes and say they just sort of, like, really cut through. I see. Like, more so than you imagine. Uh -huh. Like, when you think his vocals on typo albums, yeah. it's not that way at all. And, I mean, it's and it's not that way this whole album, either. You have songs like Waiting. Well, well my, my thing was <sighs> kind of like where you went. You know, I know his voice because he would always sing a little bit in typo. Yeah. And, you know, there that voice is there on this record, but he also goes into different places. And, you know, and that's what you want to do. You want to grow as an artist. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. And to be able to talk about that and even a little bit at the end, talk a little bit about typo. Yeah. You know, is great. I mean, I like Jason said at the beginning, we loved this band since the early mid-90s and have got the chance, thankfully, to see him several times. And oh man, you know, I we got to meet. I got to meet Peter Steele. Yeah, we did at that Molly yeah. Crew show. And I met Johnny Kelly at Kane's Barn. Same here. I've got a ticket still signed by him. By God. And you know, at the end when he kind of goes into some typo, the sound gets a little sketchy. We apologize. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I'm sure you're gonna work your magic, but I don't know how. How much of it we got, but we'll see. But at the same time, having Kenny Hickey on the show yeah. was a dream come true right. and a complete honor. Yeah. I mean, that's happened other times with people on their cell phones anyway. I mean, I've got this band tattooed on me. That's how much I love this fucking band. Goddamn right. And you mentioned Johnny Kelly. We didn't even mention he's also in Silver Yes. Tomb. yes so if you, 
you know, basically if you knew Seventh Void, this the final lineup of Seventh Void, it's basically from the ashes arose this band. It's the same lineup with adding a keyboardist as well. Gotcha. So, yeah, if you're a fan of just metal in any genre, I think you need to check Silver Tomb out. So, yeah, let's get into it. Here's Kenny Hickey of Silver Tomb. There's a lot of different musical influences and styles in it. Um, but at the core, you can expect some authentic emotional feeling in it, in most of it. And, and, and on waiting, did, did, did you want to kind of just do a straight up rock song or did it just come out that way and you just kind of went with it? Both. Both. Yeah. Very good analysis. I mean, uh, that was written after writing all hours and hours of all this um, really heavy riffs, dark, heavy subjects, and you know, key changes, and, and you know, timing signature changes, and trying to work out stuff. And uh, that just came out at three o'clock in the morning as like um, sort of a purge. The song was written in literally fifteen minutes. So, you know, I, I had uh, converted my wife's walk-in closet to a studio in my house. Yeah. Basically, just trapped myself down there eight, nine hours a day and go all night working on this stuff. And uh, it was one of the songs that just, you know, just popped out of me in 15 minutes. And uh, I think it's very real. And um, it definitely... Uh, um, captures a moment in time in the writing process that um, counterpointed everything else that we were doing and uh, thought it would be a perfect way to end the record. Sometimes sometimes when they just come out so quick like that, that those are the best ones, it seems. Yeah, sometimes. And then sometimes three days later you say, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> well, there was always talk of another seventh void album or, or any of these songs songs that were from left over from that or are these all fresh songs that you guys wrote once silver tone came to be well the only the only song that was actually directly written for seventh void was love you without no lies that was when um i first went back and decided to start playing music again and um reformed the band uh, I brought Joe James into the band. Henry brought him in, actually. Great guitar player. And um, I was like, all right, uh, let's take up from where we left off, you know, and that's how Love You Without No Lies came out. And yeah, we wrote a few more songs after that, including One of You. And um, the other songs didn't make the record, didn't make this record, but... Uh, the real changing event was writing Rite of Passage, where during the chorus, kind of heard all this orchestration, keyboards, string sections, and all this stuff coming in. And I was like, well, you know, 
I mean, we don't even have a keyboard player. I'm going to pull this off. And we just sort of said, well, screw it. Let's just go with it and see where it goes. And during the pre-production, and it came out really powerful. So at that point, it was like, well, now we need a keyboard player. Not only a keyboard player, but somebody who can actually sing in this band, because all the other guys sound like a bunch of drunken bones with their teeth busted out. <laughs> and that... That's how I we ended up bringing Aaron Jusen, who's a really great musician, smart guy, lovely guy, and um, he had the capability as far as uh, pulling off the tracks with the keyboard, switching to guitar when we need him to, because he still even switches to guitar at some points. I mean, there's never any one point in the live set. Or even, you know, when we were recording with three guitars going, you know, it was more of a switch on and off thing when we needed to. And um, also he can, you know, hold the tune pretty well. And um, that's how Juice came into the band. And then from then on, it started becoming an evolution further than just a straight up rock band, you know. Um, it became more complex. As far as uh, structurally, arrangement-wise, we had um, interludes with sound effects and all this crazy stuff going on. So it sort of became its own animal after that, beyond seven minutes. That really had been was born. And I figured, you know, we figured let's just uh, change the name, change everything, move on as a different entity, and then maybe we can evolve with this separate from everything we did in the past. That's pretty bold, like you said, the the evolution and the the new entity to just scrap it and new name and everything. I, I, I dig that. You know what? You know what I think. What I, what I really feel about the whole subject matter is that even with this band, so uh, like the next record is almost totally written and it's a complete evolution from this one. It's yeah. like it's almost nothing like it. Wow. I mean, it is. It's, you know, it's got its roots and base in it and stuff. It's so dark for all that. Um, but it's become uh, musically more textural. And um, now I find we find ourselves writing from a piano or from a string section first rather than a guitar riff, you know. Because now we're, we're not bringing these um, tones into the band and trying to retrofit them to some of the stuff. You know, now it's actually being written off of it. So it's reached another evolutionary stage. And I mean, I believe that um, what I would like to do is take the band to its apex as far as, you know, evolve it until this reaches maximum. And, you know, once you start repeating the same tricks over and over again and start to run over the same old ground, it's time to put it to bed. So new band. When you brought in the keyboards into these songs you'd already written, did you let him just add what, what he felt necessary or did you kind of direct him into what you were thinking it should be at that point? Uh, we worked it out together, you know, I mean, like with some of the past stuff, what happened was by the time we got to uh, write a passage, I had like pretty set in stone ideas for that for as far as the orchestration stuff. But then we had to make the three previous songs kind of match that, you know, so we kind of retrofitted that stuff and we just sat in my garage, you know, that's six pack segment, sat in my garage and said, well, what we can do here? What, we can, what can we do here? And then with the other stuff, you know, as, as the album further, 
you know, the songs like So True and and um Insomnia and all that stuff. Um yeah, he added his own take on it and his own everybody does. That's that's what it is. You know, I might come up with a core song. It might be four chords playing on my acoustic in the garage and bring it down to the guys. Most of the time I'll do some pre production in my studio. And then once I bring it to them, it turns into a whole new a whole different animal, you know. Everybody puts their touch on it. Yeah. And then they make me think of things that I wouldn't have thought of otherwise. I mean, that's why I don't believe any musician should ever be sitting alone in his wife's walk-in closet or in the garage making music. <laughs> got to, it's a matter of, you know, it's a connection thing. Music is a connection, a connective device, you know, and whether it's with other musicians, which is the most important context of it, or it's with an audience, you know, I mean, that's when it really comes alive. That's when it really becomes a new breathing thing. So, you know, some guy alone with his guitar in the studio is just making the car for me. Well, we'll talk about how, how do you and Joseph James uh, compliment each other on guitar? Oh, uh, that's, that's been an amazing experience. Man. Look, listen, um, you know, I have certain um, strengths in guitar where, you know, I have I, good voicing capabilities where I can make a lead like you can remember it, you know. But like Joe has just got this, he's way more talented than me. I mean, he's like, he's got these explosive riffs um, and he has that good, natural, inborn, inborn talent of music, you know. And um, he's just like, what I'll do is like, like with Rite of Passage and Crossing Over, I had some lead ideas for Crossing Over, right? Which basically when I did them, I mean, they went somewhere, you know, they had good melodies, and they had, like, uh, you know, they started in a place, meandered around, and, and resolved right, but it all sounded like Gilmore, exactly like David Gilmore, you know? And so when I gave it to Joe, he took it and made his own, man, and he made this explosive friggin', we call them our mountaintop leads, you know, that's his big mountaintop lead on the record, crossing over, you know? Mine is a eulogy, which is more like sad, and like, um, minor scale, sad, and expressive. But he's, um, I think we strengthen each other, like coming face to face, having a lead out together and answer off one and one, like with, um, with, uh, Love You Without No Lies, which is a really strange song because it's, it's a seven eight time. It's not four four. Yeah. So it's an odd time, you know, and, um, so the first lead is him and then the second lead is me answering that. And I remember going into it, I was like, so you're ready to jam out and lead out in 70s time? And Joe was like, born ready. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he just, he's an incredible musician. He's really the glue. He's like um, probably the strongest musical glue in the band, like keeping us together live when we play, you know. But also he's got a great imagination. Like the artwork for the cover of the record was born out of me and him, like exchanging ideas. And uh, just great musician. So, like, I really feel like he's a long lost brother, man, that, you know, I've been going through life and I just haven't bumped into. Yeah. Until I uh, hit my 50 years old mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the artwork, uh, that was a question we had kind of. 
I, I like the the colorfulness of it, even though it's kind of a, the sounds kind of dark. Uh, I like that that kind of push and pull there. Well, the idea of the cover was like Joe was like, I don't know, there's like the super seventies vibe to the stuff. So why don't we do something? that's kind of like 70s poster art and, and then I went with that I was like yeah that's right up my alley because like when I was growing up I was hanging out my friend Tommy Fitz's house he used to cut out from school and his garage behind his house he had this like pothead dude that he knew that used to store his Sabaret hot dog wagon in there and um we just plastered the place with black light posters in the seventies and we used to go in there and smoke pot all day and like crank blacks out, you know? So I really wanted like the cover to capture that, you know, being 16 years old, cutting out from school, smoking pot, eating the Sabaret wagon and bugging out to the black light posters, you know? So that's really what we we're going for. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and then you have Joe that has an artist friend, um, his name is Rodrigo Canteras, that's his name. He was taxi boys. He's the guy who drew the Christ figure in the middle. And, um, so, and Joe was like, well, all right, so that's this artist. He wants to know what you want to do with the middle of the record, you know, with, with the center of the, of the piece. And I said, well, I want to, like, base it on the famous images of the ascension of Christ, you know, the ascension of Christ where he's rising up to heaven with the apostles beneath him. I said, I want apostles beneath him. We're going to go for a sci-fi black light poster art, 70s thing, you know. It's why we have like Mars below us who is, and is, you know, Venus and all these planets around us. And when Christ is rising up, and that's how, that's how it was born, actually, the idea of it all. And actually, um, Rodrigo texted me, he's like, well, how do you want you know, Christ posed, you know, there's a lot of different poses when you look at the art, all the centuries of art on the ascension of Christ. And I was like, well, you know, I had my wife take a picture of me and I stood in the middle of my room in my robe. <laughs> and he actually just, he actually just took my proportions and drew the skeleton over me. So that's how it ended up being what it is. Nice. I think it came out great. And, yeah. then, and then after that, like Henry, Hank Hell, he's got an art degree. He went to um, art college and stuff. So he's, he's basically an art director. So we just showed up to his office and we're like, all right, so these are the ideas we have. You know, we had the image that the um, tattoo artist drew. He superimposed that. He brought all the colors together and all that stuff that you see. You know, brought the images and, and all the um, elements together, the shooting star and all that stuff. And we just sat there and shot, you know, we shot the shit and we worked it out. You know, I think that needs something right there. All right, put a comment there. And Henry would find a comment, an image of a comment, change it up enough to where we couldn't get, you know, sued for it and, you know, put it all together. So it was really um, a group effort between me, Joe, and Hank. You know, in Typo, you sang a little bit, but, you know, with Seventh Void and Silver Tomb, how do you find yourself in, in the frontman role? Is, is it a big adjustment? Um, it wasn't the beginning. It's not anymore, man. I mean, mm -hmm. the thing is, is that uh, the reason I do this, I think, more than anything else, I mean, the reason I've done this up until this point, more than anything else, is because, uh, number one, I'm an adrenaline junkie, and 
number two, uh, there's nothing I love more than live performance. You know, and that's what I always really enjoyed. You know, which, you know, in Taipo, it was the opposite of Peter and Josh. They hated it. They loved being in the studio, geeking out, you know, oh, I want to put another interval over this, and blah, 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 blah. You know, everything else they hated, you know. Me, I love playing live, you know. I love the energy, the immediate energy, when it's going well, when it's going well, of course. Of course, when it's going bad, it's the exact opposite. <laughs> but the, the energy you get, that connection off of the audience and the people, that's what I love, you know, and that's what I love to do. So I found it very natural once uh, I was, you know, it takes me a couple of beers. I have a couple of beers before I go on. Yeah, I'm shit my pants just like anybody will do. And then but once I go on and it's going well, and, you know, it's just I feel completely at home and natural in a situation of talking to an audience and, and um, performing, obviously, you know, I can always perform the guitar in front of me and um, singing and um, especially like even between the songs, just uh, addressing an audience like, uh, it's always, you know, you hang out in my garage having a beer with me, just talking to me. And I, th I think um, I enjoy it, but also I think I've also had the grace to share the stage with some of the uh, greatest frontmen that were ever born, including Pete Sill, yes, Jamie Josta, Phil Insomma, and, and the list goes on. You know, I mean, I did like the first Black Sabbath reunion, you know, with Ozzy and stuff. And, you know, so night after night, Marilyn Manson, I hung out on stage, watched these guys. You know, so I think that um, the main key to being whatever a singer, front man, is to be relaxed, you know. And um, in Philip Samuel's words, it's like being a boxer. It's the art of it is knowing how to change, turn a bad situation into something good. <laughs> well, when you're uh... and believe me, every night is a bad situation that you have to turn into something good. It's just a different town. It's a different town, it's a different placement, it's a bad phone call home, it's a horrible hotel, it's a shitty shower, it's, you know, wiping your ass while reading the, reading Facebook in a, on a, on a, in a shitty bar in, in like, whatever, Des Moines, Iowa on a Monday night. Every night, every night is a challenge to turn a bad situation into something magical. And when it happens... It is magic. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to let all that go and and just put on the best show you can. Yeah, you just got to loosen up, man. You just got to let it flow, let it go. And then sometimes it doesn't happen, man, you know? Yeah. And you're going to beat yourself up until the next show until you can make it, some, you know, make it different, you know, make it, make it, you know, turn it around. Always trying to turn it around, man. You know what? I spent my whole life trying to turn things around. Well, when you're... Uh writing lyrics do you wait till you have music or are you always writing words as well you know it's a good question because like i think that if you're gonna write whatever it is um well actually music let's talk specifically music there's so many different angles to write music you know you, can, you look at elton john and he wrote most of his greatest songs through the lyrics that somebody else wrote 
And that's one way to do it, which I've never done. You know, I've never even tried. I never came up ever with a lyric and then came up with the music to it. You know, usually what happens is come up with a riff or a melody idea or something I wanted to say. You know what I mean? You're like um, not down cold stone, something I wanted to say in black and white, but like something I felt that I wanted to get out. Most of the time it starts with a lyric. Well, I mean, most of the time it starts with a riff or a melody. And then I have to force through syllables what I want to say into the music, which is very confining, very confining. You know, you know. I also write poetry sometimes just to like get rid of that frustration of that feeling where I can just freely write, you know, anything I want to say. You know, so it's very, it's very hard. To have something specific you want to say and want to express, and now you're trapped in in this syllable cage with timing and all this stuff, and you're gonna make and then rhyming on top of it. You gotta rhyme. Oh my God, you didn't rhyme those lyrics. You, know? you gotta <laughs> do that as well, right? So now you gotta like, you hit these walls where I want to say this, but I can't find anything to rhyme with time, you know? And then you gotta like. Look up like words that rhyme with time. You know, <laughs> you know, it's it's a process. You know, so I would like to maybe you've inspired me. Try to just write lyrics and see what comes to me musically, and then I'll end up. I know what's going to happen. I'll end up stuffing eighteen syllables in a place they don't belong. You know, <laughs> <laughs> get to get out the thesaurus. <laughs> yeah, I think though, like writing, writing from every different angle you can. Like Paul McCartney always sends me for a freaking loop, man. The guy's like the most amazing musician that ever lived. He's got like six different instruments to choose from to start a song from. Oh, let me start writing from piano. Yeah. Let me start writing from this. You know, I mean, you know, I got three. You know, well, six guitar and a little bit of piano. You know, that's it. That's what I got. <laughs> so I think that um, if you could. You can make your music more diverse the more platforms you have to write from. So whatever instruments they are, be it you know, piano, violin, guitar, or just writing from lyrics, writing from poetry. So I think it's a good challenge for anybody to do. And um, I think I'm going to start doing that, just starting to write. Some lyrical ideas, you know, would it be to them, and maybe maybe it'll spur some kind of riff or, or melody from that point on. But I have not tried that yet. Thus far, I've always written from my instrument or my imagination. You know, coming off from the bus, you know, coming on the bus late night, and having a few beers, and I hear something humming in my head, you know, and then I gotta find music to match it. Or vice versa, I come home, sit around with guitar, I have a chord progression, I have something, and then trying to find a melody, match that, and finding that, and then having to force a lyrics into it, usually. Sometimes it all comes together and it all feels natural. Well, don't blame us if it doesn't work out. <laughs> uh, I've had a lot of shit that didn't work out, man. I have a whole computer I'm going to destroy, I'm going to purposely destroy and set on fire. <clears throat> Fear that it might get out into the world someday. 
songs that I don't want to get out into the world. That sounds like a good title for a record, actually. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, you mentioned that second album's already done here before the first one's even released. Like, how are you? How long do you guys plan to hold on to that? Are you going to like wait another year or two? Or uh, I, you know, I, I don't. I mean, uh, time periods have uh, gotten shorter and shorter in this, um, you know, in this society now. Yeah. Especially with like all the streaming and stuff like that. People releasing EPs. They're not releasing EPs because they, you know, oh, they're not getting paid well. They're releasing EPs because they don't release a whole album because they want to spread the album out over years because they don't want to lose monthly listeners. You know, and I guess that's what it's all about now. You know, getting that into your head, I believe, um, fucks up your your creative process. You know, I think that. It screws it up in that now you start feeling that you got to throw shit out there and it might be like um, half-baked just because you got to stay current or stay in everybody's ears, you know. But I do feel that pressure on me still. But fortunately, the next record is just about written. I got like 28. We have 28 minutes of music and it's, it's amazing. I think it's great. It's the best stuff ever that we've ever come up with. And it's a natural progression of what we started with Edge of Existence. And I would really like to, because before the spring, I have like two months down, January, February, I'd like to get in the studio. I'm, you know what I'm going to do? I already spoke to Johnny Kelly about it. Uh, I think I'm going to fly to Texas because she's living in Texas now. So he's not like around the block from me. I'm still in New York. <laughs> you know, with this stuff, I would just drag him to my garage. He'd bring an electronic kit. We'd work out the rhythm section. Because the only thing I can't work out is rhythm, you know. I mean, I have it in my head, but like, I'm not a drummer at any level, you know? So like, really what, what sends it home is when me and Johnny finally get together and start working out the rhythm section for everything that's being plotted out, you know, as far as for the pre-production. So I think what I'm gonna do in January is I'm gonna buy a cheap ticket to Dallas, where he's living now, close to Dallas, and um, hash out the rhythm section and stuff with him and at least have that where we have the rhythm section, we have everything we know what we want to do and then we can get a date maybe after the spring tour to go into the studio and actually bang out basic tracks. And then, you know, of course after that there's vocals and everything else. And I would like to have the next record out before 2021, you know. Yeah, I would like to have it before would like to have it in 2020, maybe the end of the year. Was this spring tour, is it going to be like a headline thing, or are you guys opening for someone? No, uh, I can't even say right now, because all of it's not confirmed yet, but um, it's going to be all of North America, you know, Canada, and the States. And uh, after that, I don't know what's going to come up after that. I mean, you know, I'm saying I have all these hopes and dreams for getting in the studio, but if it goes well, we're going to be asked to do other stuff, and, yeah, I'm going to try to get everything done whenever I can. I just bought, you know, a whole Pro Tools rig. So a lot of the stuff now, I'm, I'm hoping a lot of the pre-production stuff that I do now in my house, like as far as vocals go and as far as like acoustic guitar sounds or electric sounds, lead breaks, can carry over into the record so that when I'm coming up with it here alone in my house, you know, it's not just, you know, hours and hours of work that get thrown into the friggin' dust when we re-record everything, you know? I'm hoping that now, now that I have a professional recording rig, 
that some of the stuff can carry over and it'll shorten the process, you know, when we finally get to the album. Because this album, too, it's even more complex than Edge of Existence. So there's a lot of elements involved. There's a lot of dynamics, more different instruments, you know, so it's going to be a process. And I hope that whatever I develop here and now, while I'm alone and Johnny's in Texas or touring with this band or that band and these guys are doing that and these guys are doing that, that I can save what I'm recording and it's going to be, you know, album quality recordings. So hopefully that, that'll show the process. I want to do something to try to shorten the process. Well, you mentioned stuff not getting out there or music not getting out there. You didn't want people to hear. Is there any type of music that was never released or is everything out there now? No, there isn't, man. I mean, you know, Typo, Typo was a funny animal, you know. Um, Typo, let's see, what was it, 70 minutes max on the CD? Right, <laughs> yeah. We always, we always feel that single CD. you taking the time out to do this with us thank you there you go Kenny Hickey huge thank you to John Freeman of Freeman Promotions and of course a huge thank you to Kenny Hickey for taking some time out that night to talk to us Silver Tomb you heard a lot about it there check out the album Edge of Existence it's been out now for less than a week you gotta get your hands on it great stuff and of course, if you never checked out Seventh Void, or God forbid, if you never checked out Type of Negative. Oh my God, I don't know, know what you're doing. You got to go do yeah, that. I assume you're listening to this, you, you have, but, you know, yeah, just, it doesn't matter where you start, beginning, middle, or end, with, it's, with Typo. It's opinion. all deadly. Yeah. Man, I love Dead Again, the final album, because I thought it was so, uh, I thought it was an amazing way to end. Yeah. Even though they didn't know that was the end at the time, but it was like so comprehensive, the sound, I mean, all the sounds on that album. They kind of covered every era of that band had ever oh, went through. Oh, they did. Yeah, that was and, a good one. So, yeah. so if you're not familiar with the final type of album, Dead Again, 
Just start there. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you see what's happening here. We could go on and on about this band. I know. <laughs> it's it's fucking nerdy as shit. Well, here's I, the thing. I we've, love it. We've, ta- we've talked about this before that we were going to do an episode and get maybe JP. Yes, because he was a huge typo fan, too. Yeah. And we should still fucking do it. Right. You know? You know, a couple years ago, it's been at least a couple years ago now, we had on Lola Henderson. Yeah. And That's another. She She's a yeah. big, yeah. Yeah, she was in the band Redneck Nosferatu at the time, and she's a massive fan. And we, I mean, we didn't go into huge detail, but we talked for probably five or ten minutes, I think, in that episode about oh, man. typos. So it comes up quite often here on this podcast. Just one hell of a band, man. Yeah. So, yeah. Very cool to have Kenny Hickey here. And if you're listening to this for the first time because you're a Kenny Hickey fan, I mean, some other bands from that... 90s New York metal scene, Prong. Life of Agony. Yeah, Life of Agony just here recently. Yeah. Just two or three weeks ago, we had on Alan Robert. Like I said, Prong, we had on Tommy Victor at one point. I'm sure if you like that kind of stuff, you also like COC. We've had on two members of COC. We've had on a couple members of Superjoint. We've had on Jimmy Bauer from Superjoint and I Hate God. We've had on guys from Megadeth, guys from... Kiss is from New York City. you damn right. Yeah. Gene Simmons has been on this podcast, as has Bruce Kulik. That's right. Who recently played on the Kiss Cruise and apparently stole the show, uh, as you I would g- expect. I guess so. I read I all these so. set lists. Like, he played, like, two or three different sets, and the oh, set lists were amazing. Like, he did, like, medleys of every album that he was a part of, and then he did, like, full songs that, like, of course, they never play and shit. It was amazing. And Bob Kulik wasn't there, and he's super <laughs> pissed. Right? <laughs> But yeah, all that stuff, we've had on a lot of stuff from the 80s rock scene, like Tesla, Dokken, Warrant, Lillian Axe, Europe, all that kind of stuff as well. We've had on everyone from Shooter Jennings to Seven Dust. So just dig back through there, soundcloud.com backslash Thunderdash Underground. You can find us on iTunes, Google Music, <laughs> Stitcher, TuneIn, Mixcloud, all that stuff. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're on YouTube, at The Thunder Underground. Subscribe there. We've had a lot of videos where we'll review albums coming out, singles, concerts, all that kind of stuff. Should have more of those hopefully coming here in the near future. But yeah, we've got an episode coming up here pretty soon with the singer of a band called Roxanne, who... Had one album in the late 80s with a couple of songs that had moderate success there in that 80s rock scene. But they came back this past year with a brand new album. And they're working on another, a third one now, here after all these years. And it's great, just great classic rock sounding music. So look up Roxanne and be on the lookout for that one. We've also got a couple other things here in the works. But yeah, I think that, that covers it. And I can't believe I... I did this without opening with a pun because I was like trying on the drive here to do this. I was trying to think of like an opening pun that had to do with like type or negative, but I couldn't think of one that was good enough. So I just let it go. You know, it's not always about puns and being funny, Trent. I know. Sometimes you just got to let the music do the talking. That's right. You know, I mean, uh, it's just, I don't know. That's just me. That's just a word to the wise. But I don't do it. I'm not to be given a word to the wises, but anyways, (laughs) I don't know. We used to do it all the time, but I haven't done it in a long time, so that's why I thought maybe it was time. Well, 
I, I, I don't know. I, I'm punless right now, or I would help. Same here. All right, then. <laughs> you know, as soon as I, like, drive off, I'm going to think, like, You'll three think amazing shit. ones. Well, you can add them in later. I, I'm just fine with me. Just, like, record it on my own and, like, throw it in there? Sure. Just anywhere. Okay. Or you can do it right here. <laughs> right. All right, well. Nope, nothing came to mind, so. <laughs> All right, well, a huge thank you again to Kenny Hickey, to Freeman Promotions, to DB Concerts, to Medfarm. Check out Hysteria, and we will talk to you soon. Until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all.